debaters. Happy New Year. Welcome to Rock On Debate, a one-clap speech and debate source for quick tips, hacks, resources, and rock and support to help inspire and assist debaters. I'm Lyle Wiley, your host. Today I'm on the Rock On Debate podcast with Cheyenne East speech and debate team senior superstar performer and debater, Yu Yu Yuen, who is here to take on the January public forum debate resolution in a topic analysis full of action, intrigue, adventure, and espionage. Yu Yu is having quite a speech and debate career at Cheyenne East. Just a couple of impressive highlights of her accomplishments so far include, well, she's finished in the top 30 in PF and the top 20 in oratory at the National Speech and Debate Tournament. She was the original oratory champion at the prestigious James Logan Martin Luther King Jr. Invitational Tournament in Oakland, California. She is a Wyoming state champion in both public form and original oratory and is currently ranked in the top 20 of NSDA points nationally. Yu has not only spent holiday break running camps and recording tips for our Long Winter's Clap episodes, keep an eye out for Yu on the One Clap feed again soon, she has also done some great work to put together a topic analysis to help PF debaters prep for awesome January debates. Yu analysis includes some topic background and overview, affirmative arguments, negative arguments, closing thoughts, and some really impressively bad jokes. This month's PF resolution is all about spying governments, personal privacy, national security. It goes something like this. The National Security Agency should end its surveillance of U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents. Well, now it's time to sit back and learn from UU about this January public forum topic. Take it away, UU. Hi, everyone. It's UU, and today I will be doing a general topic analysis of the January 2021 PF resolution. The resolution that the NSDI has posted is resolved. The National Security Agency should end its surveillance of U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents. In this podcast, we'll start with a resolution analysis and some background before getting into some pro and con arguments. And finally, concluding thoughts. Let's first start with a resolution analysis. The first thing to take note of is that there are three parts or three groups in this resolution. There is the National Security Agency, also known as the NSA, and what I'll be referring to them as for the rest of this podcast, U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents. There is also the act of ending something, which we will later address in this section. I want to first start with the easier groups to understand in terms of who they are, and those are U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents. U.S. citizens are pretty self-explanatory. They're citizens born in the United States and or citizens who have immigrated here and have passed the naturalization tests and gone through the steps to become a U.S. citizen. Lawful permanent residents are essentially the same, but instead, they're here on a permanent visa and green card. While there's only a slight distinction between U.S. citizens and lawful permanents, it's still a little bit of an important distinction. However, the last group involved which is the NSA, is a little bit more complicated in terms of who they are and what they do. But a little fun fact, they were once known as no such agency. And in some cases, it's pretty much true. But we do know that they're part of the Department of Defense. The National Security Agency was officially created in 1952 by former President Harry Truman. And according to the Jurist.org in their article, our short history of the NSA, 
Troopman created the NSA in order to combat the inefficiencies of the Armed Forces Security Agency, or AFSA. The AFSA was supposed to organize electronic information that departments of the U.S., like Department of Agriculture, Commerce, etc., had. Supposed to being the key words. So instead, the NSA was created in order to, quote, provide an effective, unified organization and control of the communications intelligence activities that the United States conducted against foreign governments. Yeah, I know. That's a lot of words. But it basically just means that the NSA's job is to monitor intelligence of foreign governments. Yet, because of the Cold War, nuclear weapons testing terrorism, and a whole bunch of other issues internationally and domestically, Americans eventually found out in 1975 that the NSA also monitored American citizens. Because there was some evidence of monitoring U.S. citizens as being successful, there was the creation of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, in 1978. This allowed courts to issue warrants for wiretaps when they were requested. But then, 9-11 happened, which changed the course of surveillance for the future. Former President Bush ordered warrantless wiretaps of U.S. citizens in contact with foreign sources in order to combat terrorist plots and to prevent another 9-11 from happening. Phew, that was a lot of information to digest. And it's true, you don't have to know every single detail about the NSA or the history of the NSA. So instead, let's talk more about how this all applies to the arguments that you'll make with this resolution. With a brief understanding of the history, we must discuss exactly what they do. The FISA legislation allows them to wiretap with warrants. But that really doesn't matter, since they can already do warrantless searches anyway. They can track your phone calls, emails, internet searches, and more that has to do with your data. You know, you might consider being a little bit more careful and downloading a VPN. I suggest ExpressVPN, but not sponsored, by the way. There's also Section 215 of the Patriot Act that allows them to gain information from third parties. Those third parties are telephone companies that keep track of your phone calls and messages. Of course, this only allows the NSA to demand records that have any connection to international terrorism, counter-espionage, and or foreign intelligence investigations. Meaning that, yes, while the NSA can violate your privacy, they also have the potential to provide more national security as well. But then again, I'm pretty sure we can find evidence out there saying that it doesn't really matter whether or not telephone companies find exactly this information. If the NSA can pay the price, then they'll probably share your information with them anyway. Just like with any resolution, there will always be a trade-off between the pro and the con. Pro in this case is advocating for mainly keeping privacy. Con is advocating for national security. But each of these can go hand-in-hand hand with the other, meaning on the pro, they could argue that privacy is more important than national security, or that privacy is key to keeping national security intact. And on con, you could argue the same thing, 
but vice versa. Meaning, you can say either the national security is more important than privacy, or Khan also has the option of saying national security is a prerequisite to maintaining privacy. And after all the analysis that we did for the resolution, we can conclude simply that Pro is saying we should end all of the NSA's ability to surveil people in the United States, and that Khan is saying we shouldn't end it, or at least all of it. And this, again, is kind of a wording issue, issue with the resolution, as end could mean a number of things. Does end mean ending Section 215 of the Patriot Act? Does end mean ending all of the NSA's ability to surveil United States citizens and lawful permanent residents? Or does end mean ending the National Security Agency? We'll dive more into this a little bit towards the end with some concluding thoughts. Now, bear with me, because now we're going to go into the pro arguments you can make and some tips and tricks for the success on pro. But before that, a very, very bad and cheesy joke. All right, you ready? Why couldn't the NSA whistleblower leave Russia? Because he was snowed in. Aha, aha, aha. Okay, I know, bad joke. But a great segue into the pro arguments we can make. As we all know, Edward Snowden was the man to expose all of the invasions of privacy the NSA was involved with. There were reports that they were grossly monitoring everything you were seeing on the internet. Talk about FBI memes, but in reality. By the way, FBI people, if you're listening, I'm just a simple debater doing whatever she needs to for success, alright? Okay. But also, there were reports the NSA employees were spying on their lovers. You know, I didn't really know they had trust issues, but <laughs> it's what it is. Anyway, all of these pieces of evidence can be found on the Guardian's website of all of the atrocities the employees have committed, but are all arguments you can use to support the fact that they invade into our privacy. A key tip I would give you here is that if you're running the privacy argument, you need an impact and a way to terminalize the impact, or in other words, make the impact seem important. Because even if they violate our privacy, is it enough to say that this is the reason we should end all of the NSA's ability to surveil us? Since other companies and organizations like the FBI and telecom technically already gathers our data and invades into our privacy, so why does it really matter if the NSA is doing it? Some ideas for impacts to privacy could be that it's the beginning of an era where abuses in the government will ultimately lead to authoritarianism or oppression, as we've seen with police departments, they can use our data against us and stop protests from happening and even use it as a weapon against communities of color. Now, with this in mind and the NSA's ability to collect mass, massive amounts of data, this could lead to a number of atrocities and big impacts from happening. There are even records that knowledge of mass surveillance could stop certain groups from doing anything at all or be paranoid and stop going to hospitals, using the internet, and other things that would allow the NSA to track your data. If we stop people from going to hospitals, then we could have the potential of spreading diseases. And in the era of COVID-19, this could be a big impact that would be very tangible for your judges. All in all, 
some type of tangible impact is necessary. Since PF is not such a value-heavy debate like LD is, you need a bigger impact that the judges can get on board with and relate to. Another pro argument you can use is combating terrorism. There is a question to how efficient the NSA is at their job. They may have a giant haystack, and some will argue that you need a haystack to find the needle, but Pro can argue that having such a large haystack and so much hay makes it hard to find the needle, and even almost impossible. This will lead you to the information overload argument that was popularly made in the 2015-2016 policy resolution. Side note, if you use the wiki, which can be found by simply typing in the Google search bar 2015-2016 policy wiki, it will lead you to a variety of arguments that have already been made about domestic surveillance. But just a little side note, you should be careful about what you find on the wiki, since maybe a majority of it isn't really related to the NSA. But nonetheless, it's a resource that you can use. Back to the overload argument. Again, if you have so much information collected and not enough people to rifle through everything, then it makes it near impossible to find the right information before it's too late. You could argue that other organizations like the FBI, CIA, and even local and state law enforcement are better equipped to deal with a small amount of data at a time, and you could even make the argument that they will be more efficient at finding terrorists than the NSA is able to. After all, the NSA did kind of let 9-11 slip through their fingers, but keep in mind that this is only one example I'm bringing up. If you can find more instances where the NSA has allowed terrorist plots to slip through their watch, that would be a great tool to keep in your back pocket when debating. With two pro arguments in mind, it leads me to the last tip I have for you when it comes to pro research. Make sure you're finding evidence specific to NSA domestic surveillance, otherwise it might not really apply in the round. And don't forget, you can't argue for reforms, since that's already the status quo, which would only give the con more of an edge in the round, since they can just say, yeah, it's the status quo, why do we need to get rid of everything the NSA is doing? Alright, let's move on to some con arguments now. But first, of course... A very bad and cheesy joke. What game do NSA employees like to play every day? I spy! <laughs> I know, I know. I'll be here all week. Moving on. While, yes, the NSA technically spies on you and what you're doing, they're really more just keeping receipts rather than actually monitoring everybody's movement on the internet 24-7. There's just simply not enough people to do that. So think of it this way. You might go to the grocery store and you might go to some restaurants and buy whatever you need. And usually they'll ask you for a receipt. You can keep that receipt, but you may never ever look at it again and probably throw it away. That's essentially what the NSA is doing with your data. So instead, they have a vast collection of data and will go more into the specifics of that data when the FBI or other police forces calls for it. It can be argued that the NSA also tries its best to uphold privacy and national security at the same time, maintaining some sort of balancing act. You can also make the argument that the NSA is the best organization to collect and maintain all of this data because they're the least corrupt. Now, I know that may be a far stretch, but 
There is evidence out there saying that other organizations such as the FBI, CIA, and even telecom and uh, even telecom businesses are corrupt. Therefore, you can use that and make the analysis saying that because of this, the NSA is the best option and probably the only option we have in terms of keeping national security through surveillance. With this argument, you'll of course have to prove that metadata is a necessity because if you don't, then Pro can just say we don't need the NSA and move on and probably make the argument that I said, stated earlier where they would just say the FBI or the CIA or local and state law enforcement are better at the NSA's job than the NSA is. The second con argument is simply it stops or has the chance of stopping terrorism, whether that's domestic, international, or both. When it comes to international terrorism, the NSA needs the ability to monitor phone calls to foreign persons in order to gain information about a potential terrorist attack. Metadata helps with this, as the CIA and the FBI relies on the data they gather to find those specific people, groups, and instances. This is why you'll find evidence stating that the NSA has foiled over 30 terrorist plots, according to the NSA director. For domestic terrorism, or specifically right-wing terrorism, this is where you can say that the NSA needs to conduct domestic surveillance so they can foil domestic terrorist plots. Right-wing terrorists rely on social media to communicate with each other, which means it gives the NSA the best chance of finding out information and stopping domestic terrorist plots from happening before it actually happens. For specific examples, The Nation reports that U.S. intelligence is now turning on the Boogaloo movement, where their intentions are to start a second civil war in the United States. This will lead to a great impact that can outweigh the majority of the pro-arguments. And when it comes to international terrorism, the NSA played a part in tracking the people who conducted 9-11 and arrested them preventing them from causing further harm and even more of a violation of national security. More generically, you can also make the argument that NSA data can be used to stop crime like sex trafficking rings and more, as they're looking into facial recognition technology, which helps them identify where and when this is taking place. It could also help identify who is running these sex trafficking rings and stop them. This would potentially save hundreds of lives as we can foil these plots as they are happening and before they get worse. And my last tip for you on the con is to definitely make sure you have answers to privacy and don't be scared to make some sneaky arguments that the pro is not prepared for. One of these arguments could be potentially that the resolution does say end, and whether that means ending all of national security and national intelligence is something that you can use to your advantage. I would say that the majority of evidence out there for the pro doesn't necessarily state that we should end all of the NSA's ability to surveil U.S. citizens, but that it only states we should reform the NSA and prevent them from violating our privacy. And with that, it brings me to the end of this podcast, where I'll share with you some concluding thoughts. I think weighing, as with any other resolution, will be especially important, and in this case, it might be that privacy matters over national security or vice versa. But of course, you will have to give reasons as to why that's true. Judges simply can't just take your word for it, especially if they're already biased towards one side of the resolution. Don't forget to use the three big boys of magnitude, time frame, and probability when you weigh. These are weighing mechanisms that can help you elevate your debate. 
I think for this resolution, magnitude will be a big one, since either side is pretty probable, and this situation has already been going on for such a long time. So instead, you can make statements that your impacts are bigger and more important than your opponent's impacts. For example, you could say that foiling terrorist plots or having the potential to do so is much more important than violating privacy, especially when other organizations have already violated our privacy. Furthermore, the usage of probability and time frame is not impossible. For example, with time frame, especially on the con, you can simply say that because right-wing terrorism is on the rise, it's crucial that we keep the NSA now. And for probability, you could say that if the NSA has violated our rights in the past, then it's not so far of a stretch that domestic surveillance can lead to a nasty outcome. Overall, I think this resolution is a little weird, especially with the wording, but a little bit more elbow grease and an opportunity for the NSA to be more suspicious of you, you can make great arguments to elevate your debate skills and get ready for the January topic. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, and I hope this has helped. Thank you so much to you, you for sharing that super helpful topic analysis. It is sure to be useful to coaches and debaters prepping for PF this new year. I want to take a moment to say thank you to everyone who is a patron of One Clap Speech and Debate. Your kind gifts help me keep this show going. Thank you specifically to Marcus, Londi, Debbie, Missy, Beth, Laura, Brenda, Aaron, Terry, and Tina for your support. Check out our Patreon page, also linked in the show notes, if you'd like to join in support of One Clap Speech and Debate and partner with me on this journey. If you have an idea or request for Rock On Debate, shoot me an email at lylewiley at gmail.com or reach out on the website or social media, linked in the show notes. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the One Clap podcast wherever you listen. Watch for new episodes of One Clap, Rock On Debate, Coach Connection, and Speech Love. Also, winter episodes with event overviews and tips from coaches and competitors called A Long Winter's Clap are in the works right now. I should be releasing more of these episodes over the next few weeks. Thank you so much for listening. A very happy new year to you. And debaters, don't stop rocking. Happy holidays from One Clap Speech and Debate.